Hey everybody, and welcome to the One Wild Life podcast with me, Abby Barnes. This is simply a show about life, and as such, there are no boundaries to where our conversations can take us. Along the way, we hope to inspire, empower, educate, and uplift, exploring how we can all live our best lives. Before we get started, I want to mention that this podcast is hosted by Spend More Time in the Wild, which I founded in 2016 to help individuals get outside for the benefit of mental and physical health. Over the last few years, the project has grown into a worldwide community of passionate and courageous individuals working together to enjoy the beauty of our wild spaces and protect them for generations to come. You can find out more about both the podcast and Wild by visiting www.spendmoretimeinthewild.co.uk. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening or head on to YouTube to watch the full episode. Krista Valentino lives and breathes for nature. In fact, I'd say that a need to connect with nature and the wild is part of her DNA, whether she's trail running, climbing, skiing or something else. But Krista doesn't just use natural spaces. She protects them and believes that each and every one of us can be a force for positive change too. In 2013, she co-founded Coalition Wild, which seeks to connect and equip the world's young change makers to tackle our planet's greatest conservation challenges. Since its conception, Krista and her team have been working tirelessly to formulate a powerful global community on a mission to create lasting change. Her environmental commitment doesn't stop there though. She is also the co-founder and CEO of Current Consulting, where she works to integrate sustainable practices into business through strategy and project management. Krista is now an unstoppable force in the field of conservation, with an impressive list of credentials to her name. She is the North American focal point for the International Union for the Conservation of Nature's World Commission on Protected Areas Young Professionals, is an active member of the Global Youth Biodiversity Network, has her writing featured in international publications, and was on the Executive Committee for the 11th World Wilderness Congress. I told you it was an impressive list. Now, there's plenty more worth mentioning, but this podcast isn't just about highlighting professional achievements. It's about exploring personal landscapes too. How do you take a heartfelt passion and carry it through all areas of life? How can you proceed in the face of repeated failure? What about dealing with naysayers and quote unquote non-believers? And work-life balance, where does that fit in? Well, thankfully, Krista herself is here to shed some light on all of these things. So Krista, welcome to the One Wildlife Podcast. Thanks so much, Abby, for having me. How are you doing today? Um, I am having very rosy cheeks after that. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully I've got everything right there. I mean, there's a few things, a few long things, which are a bit of a mouthful, but uh, wow, just you and your life blows me away. <laughs> um, well, when you put it that way, it blows me away too. <laughs> well, that's good. I think it's very important. We all own uh, everything that we do. And, you know, it's so cool because with within my field you know usually i'm off like shooting films out and about in the wild but since starting this podcast i've been able to speak to people who really inspire me and challenge me and sometimes just give me a bit of a kick up the backside and you're somebody who really empowers me just by sort of me on the fringes looking in on your life and sort of before we dive into everything 
I want to just explore how you manage everything that's going on. Like, what does a day-to-day life look like for you? (laughs) Um, These days uh, look a little different than I think they have a year ago, obviously. So uh, I think that we're all experiencing that. But um, it's always a little bit varied and different. You know, they're they're filled with a lot of emails, a lot of calls, uh, a lot of document planning and talking to people, you know, like from who are dealing with one project or one of Coalition Wilds programs, or um, sometimes I talk to people who who are a part of our network, um, who want insight or, or advice um, or, you know, connection networking. Um, there's always in my day a period where I get outside or, or get some exercise. That's part of the piece that that keeps me sane. Um, recently, I'm doing my master's full time as well, so there's been a lot of reading. Keeps you busy. My, <laughs> keeps me very, very busy. So there's a lot of book time. <laughs> yeah. So it's very diverse and varied, which is cool. And actually, it's funny um, for the listeners. We've just jumped on this call a little bit earlier than planned. My time, um, because your time changed and mine didn't um but i can imagine you're connecting with people all over the globe and sometimes it's a little bit frantic it is a little bit frantic and you have to consider you have to have a a half of your mind considering where somebody else is in the world right and so knowing that you are in the uk and working with somebody of some other people that are in that area of the world I'm like oh yeah they don't change their time for a couple more weeks that's it just having to have that little node in the back of your head of um that reminds you that what I'm experiencing whether that's like my technological accessibility or just something as simple as what time is it is going to be different that's it would you say it's fair to say that you're quite a high energy person (laughs) (laughs) um I I hate the idea of introverts and extroverts, right? Because I hate the idea okay. of like us having to be like a singular thing. Boxes. <laughs> yeah. I think people both give me a lot of energy, like having these conversations and interactions, especially one-on-one. Mm. Like I gain so much energy from one-on-one interactions with others. Yet I also need a lot of alone time and I get really depleted. And so there's a lot of my days or evenings that I spend by myself that allows me to slow down. And and so often like a lot of my outdoor pursuits will be solo Mm -hmm. because I just need that, that time to recharge. Yeah. We're definitely going to dive into your outdoor adventure (laughs) lifestyle. Cause for me, it's like, you're, you're, you're almost like different people, (laughs) except it's Krista throughout. Like you have your intense, incredible, work that you're doing in the conservation field and connecting young people in in changing lives and and changing the future of their planet for the better but that's i genuinely believe that then you have your like epic adventure life and um i'm sort of interested so you're in wyoming how does getting outside help you on a day-to-day basis Mm. So I have to say I'm incredibly privileged in the sense that getting outside for where I live is easy. I can literally walk out my my door and within a kilometer or two be at a trail and on that trail barely see anybody. Um, And 
I know that I get really sucked into my computer and the nonstop emails and, and WhatsApp and Slack and all of the different buzzing and beeping because people are waking up at different points of the world and working. And so it's this constant stream of a never ending to-do list. And if I don't fully extract myself from that, I get really sucked in really easily. Yeah. I get obsessed with it. And so being able to like fully go to places where I put my phone on airplane mode, I only have either whatever book or, or music is in there, uh, forces a hard stop, like forces a, a cutting of that tie to the rest of the world, that constant like need to do, need to do, mm. and, and allows me to just relieve myself of that pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Would you, would you say it's been a bit of a learning process to get to that point? Cause I can say for myself, I'm still very much on that path and some days are better than others, but you're right. Especially now during COVID where everything is very tech based screen heavy, you need to consciously like sever that pull, that tie, that temptation, get outside, turn it off, put it away and, and just connect. Have, has that been a, a, a gentle pro- process or have you sort of just been like, boom, I'm on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> I think a little bit of both. Um, so I've been, there are times every year, um, more in the past than now, but maybe it's more important now than in the past, mm-hmm. um, where I've taken one, two weeks, three or different slots of time where I have to be off the grid. I, I go out of service. I can't check my phone. Things are just going to have to be okay without me. And, um, and it's always worked out okay. And, more of the process is a reminder that I'm not that important. And that's really liberating. Like the world can and will go on without me. People that I work with can and will continue to work or they won't. And, mm. and that's okay. But um, it's been this recognition um, of my own self-importance or like this, this, um, pedestal I put that self-importance on and how that not only doesn't need to be there but shouldn't be there yeah no I really like that and actually I think in some ways COVID has been a blessing for a lot of people in sort of highlighting that that you know okay I get x done in x amount of time or y amount of time and that's it i'm shutting off and actually you come back on monday for example and it's like oh things are still going it's still okay you know and and that's it is very liberating isn't it (laughs) very liberating and i know that it could potentially sound really negative but i'm like i don't matter and Mm. that's awesome (laughs) (laughs) it is awesome and it it, and in some ways i feel like having that realization is like an act of self-love because it, it means you can take the pressure off yourself. You can let go. You can actually breathe out and not worry, not stress, not be anxious and truly be in the here and now when you're not working. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I also hope, as I've, uh, I hope that it, it can translate to others and those that I work with. And so, you know, with Coalition Wild, we have, we have a board, we have a lot of volunteers and interns that I work with. And I'll receive messages and emails from them on the weekend or in the evenings and, or asks for calls over the weekend. And I'm like, absolutely not. Like, not only do I get to have time off, but you do too. Like, Mm. don't, don't email me at night. Like, don't, anything I ask you to do, you, I'll give you a buffer. Right. But I think as an individual who, um, 
manages or works with others or, or is in a leadership position, it's really important to be able to model mm. that because otherwise we're creating this generation or, or this, this type of workforce or people where we expect the constant grind and we glorify busyness and we glorify like full schedules. Yeah. And I'm quite frankly, really exhausted from it. And I don't want to do it anymore. And I don't want like the people I care about to do it. Yeah. So if I don't want them to do it, I can't do it. That's it. I, you know, I'm so on board. Like I'm having to sit still because I'm plugged into microphones and things. But if we were having this conversation without recording, I'd be like jumping in the air. Like, yes, come <laughs> on. Cause you know, it's again, it's a journey I'm on. And I think you're right. Like, especially when we're out in the public, we have people looking at us, we have to model, you know, you've got doing often speaks louder than, than our words. And it's hard as well when you love your job and you want to do the things all the time and it's like oh i'll just do this email and i'll just send that message and oh, i'll just do this bit on the website but when we look to nature which as i said in the introduction for for you and, and for myself but for you is, is is so much a part of who you are nature's not rushing you know nature's not stressing out about time nature just does its thing you know it's transient and we can be too um and yeah taking that that inhale just stepping outside is is so powerful. So I'm interested then, let's, let's jump back a little bit now. So did you grow up in Wyoming? And if so, or if not, what, what was it like? What was it like growing up for you? Yeah, no, I actually grew up in New York uh, on Long Island, which for those who don't know, it's this island that's off of um, kind of south of Connecticut, off the east coast of New York, um, in this little town called Oakdale, which was rural suburbia. Um, we had it was actually quite a nice place to grow up and, and my family's still back there. So I get to visit. Um, and I mean, I had a childhood that included going outside, but a lot of times it was often like playing sports. My family did a lot of road trips. That's how we went places. Um, every year we had this uh, boat that we would spend 10 days on every summer do boat trips that was like our form of camping which it wasn't like the same yacht like it was literally like a like a 30 foot boat where <laughs> it was just big enough for the four of us um so like it was the original van life like when I would start seeing and being with people who were in vans I was like I know how this is like boat living you know um where we would take showers by jumping in the salt water and yeah nice. but I wouldn't necessarily say that I had a childhood that was um where we talked a lot about like nature and the environment, you know, like I'm really lucky my, my mom and I remember my grandma um, were and are incredible lovers of, of nature and species and birds and um, flowers and, and cultivating things like that. Yeah. And so I think it, it was this natural part of me, but I had never had the conversation of like environmental studies or climate or environment in general, and that it was something to like care about or save or work on or have a part of your career. Like any of that genuinely didn't par become part of my vernacular until my early 20s, until after moving to Wyoming. Okay. But what changed then? What sort of ignited that fire within you? Um... I think that it was actually, it wasn't, 
I'm, uh, it's a, that's a really hard question because I don't remember a point where it, like, it, it ignited. Okay. Um, I'll do a quick fast forward. So I grew up in New York, went to uh, university in Connecticut. Right after university, uh, I moved to Salt Lake City, Utah for a job. Mm-hmm. And then from there, moved up to Jackson, Wyoming, uh, where I just started kind of being a ski bum and working at a front desk at, at a resort um, where I met my first who would become my first real boss, future boss, and my future mentor, who was working at this environmental organization. And he, um, when we had first met, he, we had a conversation and he said to me, you know, like, okay, like, what do you want to do with your life? And as he tells it, my response was, I don't know. I just want to do something that matters. That's cool. And I think that that was the spark that was being ignited. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily about the environment or nature. It was just the desire to contribute to the, to the world in a way that felt like it mattered, that it, that it made a difference. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like that actually. Something that matters. I don't feel like that is too common a response these days for young people. <laughs> Would you agree with that? Or would you say that's a bit out there? I think I might disagree because I think actually, I think maybe young people, in my opinion, are Mm -hmm. more aware of their, the impact of their actions and behaviors and like what they do. And so there's a desire to contribute to that or to Mm. like care and learn and be educated on how, a equals or affects B. Yeah. Um, I wonder if if that though is associated with the overwhelming realization of how many things need to be worked on, or the yeah. challenges that are there, or the plights of the world. And so, so actually, like everyone wants to. I, I think that the desire to do something that matters is, is heightened. Is actually very common. How to do that, I think, is being um, stifled a little bit over like the paralysis of mm. what do I do? Yeah, almost that analysis paralysis kind of thing. And actually, you know, you saying that makes me go, yeah, you're spot on. Like we are so informed, but so much so, it's it can be overwhelming. It, you know, I can say for myself, um, you know, my my background is entirely in conservation. And it sort of shifted to the mental health and then the mental health being a platform to talk about service and stewardship and how that can help, you know, with our mental health when we're connecting with something bigger than ourselves, that community or that environment. But even now, you know, I, I, I don't, I consciously don't watch the news. If, some, if I need to know something, it'll filter through. If there's, you know, some environmental thing, like obviously I'm very conscious about what's going on, but I, I can't fill my mind with that anymore because it it makes me sink like my ship hits an iceberg and I'm going down (laughs) so it's it's really tricky isn't it because in some ways we're more empowered than ever um and it's it's sort of finding that balance and I guess through Coalition Wild that's something that that you and your team are doing you're taking young change makers you're equipping them you're empowering them to make change not just in their their local environment but in a bigger picture as well so i'm interested to jump into coalition wild then sort of how it it came about um sort of how old you were what sort of caused that 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 start and uh where you're steering that ship 
Yeah, hopefully not in question. Iceberg. Yeah, no, <laughs> no icebergs needed. It's a sunny Hawaiian beaches. <laughs> that we're sailing. We're Good. sailing. Perfect. Um, I prefer that side. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so um, Coalition Wilds started back in 2013, uh, and and it really came down to I was working at that this that first organization, that first job that I mentioned. Um, and I met this man by the name of Vance Martin. He is the president of the Wild Foundation. And the Wild Foundation puts on these World Wilderness Congresses every four years. And they're always in new places around the world. And this one was uh, the 10th World Wilderness Congress was taking place in Salamanca, Spain. And they had realized that they needed uh, more of a youth voice and representation at the conference. And so I had met Vance kind of randomly at this event. We got to talking and he was like, hey, do you want to lead the development of a youth delegation for the 10th World Wilderness Congress? And I was like, yeah, sure. That sounds great. No idea. What that <laughs> I never heard of what like a conference or a congress was. Never worked on the international realm. Like completely... Wow looking back like what were you doing Krista <laughs> so promptly walked away I, like pulled up my phone I was like what is a world wilderness congress like google help <laughs> and um, from there began building this uh kind of like advisory committee of I think there were six or eight young people from situated around the world to help build out this delegation mm. and in our research and development of what this could look like recognize that this actually wasn't an isolated incident. That back at the time, back in 2013, there actually wasn't an organization out there or an initiative out there developed by youth that was working to amplify the voices of young people in decision-making about the planet, which is, which is crazy now that we're looking around in the world that we're in, um, in what's taking place with the climate marches and all. But at the time, this, this just hadn't happened. And so quite naively, I feel very confidently saying, I was like, I'm going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so we launched at the 10th World Wilderness Congress. And the initial vision of it was to create this movement of young people to create a wilder world. Like I think that was our tagline. And I saw it as this opportunity to connect young people and to get them um, talking to each other and to share their stories on a website and to really like just try to bolster um, youth leadership. And especially in big institutions where I believe that young people should be sitting in or or being a part of the conversation. Mm. Well, fast forward a few months and, and I get kind of injected into this international scene with big organizations that are filled with acronyms and and long mouthfuls of words. And they start saying like, okay, great. So do you have some people to join us? Or do you have some people that are good representatives that you would like to have us, you know, speak on a panel or this or this? And I realized that, you know, we could be advocating for young people to be in these positions, but unless they feel really confident and capable and, and empowered to do so, they have experience, etc. And that I can advocate all I want, but no one's going to be able to step into those roles and do do it justice, right? Mm-hmm. And so within those first kind of two years, we 
shifted from this idea of just creating a movement with like a singular voice to do, to advocate for this thing that we wanted um, and more into the actual equipping element. Mm -hmm. And so just developed, started developing programs that, that helped um, develop young people in their leadership skills or building mentorship programs. And, and every year the iterations have molded and changed and, and grown a little bit. Partnerships have formed and it's, it's sort of, it's sort of it's uh, this self-creating beast that I'm just trying to hold on to. <laughs> wow. You know, it's so cool though, because as you say, it's sort of a founding uh, example of, of this youth led project and initiative organization, whatever phrase you want to use, but I'm interested were people or did, how did you guys connect? And I say you guys as in, you know, you and the people who, you sort of connected with to begin coalition world because the world's kind of big you know i'm sort of interested as to how how you guys met each other and proceeded from there because forming a team you know you can have skills and skills can be learned but attributes are inherent inherent and i'm always interested in how you find the right people mm. well the first group of people who joined uh who were creating that youth delegation for the conference was a makeup of um uh connections that that um vance martin had said like here's one or two people i think that they should be a part of your committee um one or two were God, goodness, I'm thinking of, I, I hope Tom listens to this, but I'm thinking of Tom specifically, who's <laughs> Canadian and who's still quite a good friend. And I'm trying to think how he got involved. Like, this is, this is the part about it, Abby, is that people just show up. Yeah. There's, there's a, a magnetic connection that I think the right people show up when you, when you need them. Um, and I believe t somehow Tom found out about Coalition Wild probably through the World Wilderness Congress's like social media and got in touch and was like, hey, I want to be involved. And I was like, okay. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And, and that's sort of what I still do is, I mean, think about how you and I got connected. Like, how mm -hmm. did you learn about Coalition Wild? Probably through some social media or like online email or something. Yeah. And then you connect and then you just kind of keep those threads alive, right? And so there's all these little threads that are shooting out around the world. And sometimes you pull on them. Sometimes you let them go slack. Yeah. But, and they all connect to other ones. And, and at any given time, um, you find the people that you need, you know, like attracts like. So, right. so it's been, it's been, I wish I had a better answer, but it's really been a quite organic and non-purposeful journey <laughs> actually i think i think it's the the best answer i think there's a lot of comfort to be taken from that it's sort of what you're putting out into the the universe if you want to put it that way and as you say it's sort of that that pull that that connects you with the right people at the right time and you can't make that happen you can't anticipate or predict it just happens and that's kind of the magic of it i guess <laughs> yeah i was um, talking to my partner the other day because he we were talking about the differences of our work lives and, and schedules and he's like you have a lot of calls with a lot of <laughs> random people and I was like yeah I do and he's like it takes up a lot of your time and I'm like yeah it does <laughs> yes um, and he's like can you shorten those like 15 and 30 minutes and I was like no because 
<clears throat> that's how Coalition Wild has always been built is, is that investment in the time of meeting people who may not contribute anything. Mm. They may not offer anything. There's this, this conversation, there's nothing that may come out of it, but there may. And maybe not right now, but maybe somewhere down the road. And having that and, and um, giving time to that has, I think, been what has really grown us and made that really successful is, is, is being okay with the fact of, I don't know where this conversation may go. Yeah. And, um, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. See, see what happens. When was it we connected? Like 2014, 15, something like that? You were, you were the wee last. <laughs> you were both babies, but you, I remember very distinctly. Oh, dear. Um, I think it was right before you had received the David Attenborough Award. Award. Oh, okay, yeah. Great. <laughs> That's just everyone from that. <laughs> Listen, I had a slip in an accolade of yours. <laughs> Well, there we go. Yeah. Anyway, it was a, a very important part of my life. And actually, it's it's interesting, you know, um, again, followers of, of my wild as opposed to your wild, Coalition Wild, but spend more time in the wild will know that I'm, I'm on a very big journey into exploring um, sort of how mental things can be stored in your body. Um, for for anyone who's followed well for any length of time will know that I've harked on a little bit about a long-term injury in my my back and I'm receiving some treatment still for that um but I'm I'm very much exploring my mental space and the mental emotions that build up in the body and it's funny because I look back over all of these things and I sort of just like I just hide and, and just try and get lost in a carpet and it's like no I need to own the things and own myself and know I was doing the best that I could and that fire is still within me and I wouldn't be where I am today without those things well I would I, I would go on to say in um potential of making you slightly uncomfortable so oh, great <laughs> the role has been reversed <laughs> giving, you, giving you fair warning um but for me I remember when you first began speaking about mental health and how being outside supported your ability to, to handle your mental health. And, and, um, and I remember very distinctly reading about some of your posts and it felt like the first time I was reading about anyone coming out and, and speaking publicly and openly about it. And I think that trend has grown I, I hope that it has. I hope that's become a more of a comfortable space for many people. But I remember um, the pride I felt in knowing you and in knowing the courage and strength it took to have those conversations, especially when nobody was having them. And it, it I remember it and it impacted me. And I would venture to guess that I'm not the only one. In, in you putting yourself out there with that. So I hope that you don't hide from it or, or melt into the carpet because it's a really, it's a really big, um, you, it's, you, you, you had a conversation that was really difficult. Thank you. I mean, it's something you should be proud of. Thank you. No, I appreciate that, you know, and, and it's, it's speaking our true voices, you know, it's being authentic. And I feel like that's something you, 
do very well. And I have to say um, for, for the listeners, when it comes to preparing a podcast, sometimes with guests, I'll have a little chat beforehand, you know, free Zoom and just make sure everything's all good and everything's all clear. And, and Krista and I did that. And even just free that chat, just reconnecting with you as the person I am today, I don't know. I feel different. So that was a couple of weeks ago. I feel very different. I've been sort of holding myself taller and more, I feel more confident and I'm, I feel braver and, and trying to be brave. You don't really feel brave. You just, I'm trying to be braver. And, um, you know, we chatted about lockdown and sort of how that's affected us. Cause I think in some ways we have similar mindsets in that we're just like, we find our patterns and we stick to them and then we do very well in them, but then things change and then we, <laughs> it's a little stress, but it's, it's, it's so important to connect with people on that same wave, you know, people who are sort of, further ahead on the journey if you can be or there everyone's on their own journey for people who are further behind you know it's push the people in front of you it's pull the people behind you and um yeah it's it's just so inspiring for me to be able to chat with with people like you and i'm interested from your perspective with coalition wild what have been some of the the proudest moments for you as it's it's grown and flourished into what it is today mm. Ooh. That's a good question. I, um, I find a lot of pride in watching people that we've worked with reconnect over after a year or two or longer, for instance, you, um, but there's been many outside of you, whether they've been a part of one of our programs or <clears throat> been like a part of our steering committee or, or whatever mm. capacity, and to be able to see where that trajectory has taken them. And I can't say that that trajectory has shifted 100% because of Coalition Wild or myself, yeah. but to be able to see somebody's evolution, it feels like I have a lot, like a huge nest of baby birds and I like kick them out of the nest and then they come back and they're flying around. I'm like, oh, look, you made it. So <laughs> good, good job. <laughs> um, so there's always a lot of pride that comes along with seeing that, seeing people's evolution and, and that mark of time. Mm. Um, I also really appreciate watching the organization itself evolve in, um, in a way that's beyond me. Uh, I know that something I've really had to work on is extrapolate myself from Coalition Wild from my identity and me from its identity. Mm. Because in order for it to grow to the place I think it can and to have the impact I think it should, it can't be tied to me and I can't be tied to it, right? Um, and so being able to see <clears throat> how to put structures in place and the right people in place um, for me to become better at managing or, or creating or thinking higher level and getting out of the weeds and letting go of control and letting the baby grow um, has been really fun. And, and to watch like that the less I control something, the less, the more I take my hands off of it, the more it's able to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a, I like that message. I'm interested what sort of um, environmental conversations you guys are involved with at the moment. Yeah, we, a lot of the conversations we've had 
did, I was going to say over the last year, but it goes far beyond that, actually isn't on a specific topic. It's more about um, the valuation of youth and young people okay. in, in roles that require their work and their time. And so how do we ensure that in places like, you know, um, young professional networks or, or jobs or people wanting to create like youth alliances or, or youth programs within their organization, a lot of times they're asking young people to step up as volunteer capacities. They're stepping, asking them to step up as advisors to give their thoughts and perspectives on issues or, or on, you know, strategies that is a volunteer role, but they wouldn't have ever asked a mid-career professional to volunteer. Hmm. And, and seeing that discrimination of age, that just because you are in your 20s or even your early 30s, that you don't deserve to be compensated hmm. for your time or your knowledge. And so that's been a really big, um, I hesitate to use the word fight because it ha it's not necessarily a fight. It's more of a, a marathon of attempting to shift the paradigm. Okay. Yeah. Process. Yeah. That's uh yeah, I can see that's a bit of a journey to keep working on that one. But um, as with everything, I think, you know, change is, is coming and it's people like you and, and who you're working with are helping to initiate that. It seems to me as though you carry a message of hope. You're very full of energy, as, as we sort of said at the beginning, and you feel that the vibe you give out is very optimistic. And I'd like to know where you stand with the future of the environment and the state of the world as it is. Do you feel like we're on a positive trajectory or do we need to seriously press pause and reconsider what's going on? I, <clears throat> I am hopeful. I am optimistic. I am also incredibly realistic and pragmatic. And I think I don't see the world or reality through rose-colored glasses, mm. um, maybe to a fault sometimes. But I think it allows me to take stock of actually where we are and actually where I think that we're going. <clears throat> which is, I do think that the world as we know it is changing. I think that the climate is changing. I think that our planet and its processes are going to look different in the future. Some, in some ways, it's going to be bad or it's going to be, uh, have negative effects. In some ways, there might be positive effects. But what I think I'm hopeful of is that if we are able to slow ourselves down and actually reconnect with the planet, reconnect with the earth, and to be able to notice those things, to enjoy the pieces that we love, mm. to see how they might be shifting, to care about our interaction day to day, not only are we able, are we going to be able to communicate that better, but I also think we're going to enjoy it more. Mm -hmm. And, and so what, whatever that outcome is, right. Whatever that looks like, 
that trajectory to me is not something that I as a single individual control, right? Like as a collective, we can, yes. But what I really want people to care about and to think about is that we need to start looking around and to notice it and to notice what makes us feel good and the places that make us feel good, the activities, the food, the sounds, like all of these, these parts of us. And if we do that and we all start leaning into doing those things more and caring about them and protecting them or to enjoy, I use the word enjoy a bunch of times, but to, to really savor that, yeah. then that whatever trajectory that we go into is going to be a good one. Mm. Because all of a sudden our actions are being reflected by our feelings. Yeah. Where I think that the reason we've been going so far off on the deep end, the other side is that we, we haven't, we've been hurrying through this life, grinding through, and that's a reflection. And we're seeing that trajectory as a reflection. Yeah. That really resonates with me. So I guess the starting point to, well, picking things up where we are to sort of help the planet is to connect with it. And um, yeah, I, I love that message. I would like to ask though, say somebody you know they like to hike or they like to for some reason i feel like saying build sandcastles on a beach i don't know they like to just spend time outside <laughs> well just remember because we're sailing right? oh like, yeah true so you got to yeah, stop off you know see the local sites build a sandcastle <laughs> i don't know what the boat thing is with me today but that's <laughs> happening <laughs> yeah so what somebody who already has that inherent connection with 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 nature as they grew up i don't know rock pooling whatever what can they do now to make a difference? Everything. <laughs> the options are really endless. And this is part of, the, uh, part of what I, I try to share through Coalition Wild. We each need to think about what it is that we want to contribute to, what it is that matters to us, and do something about that. If I, if I went out and said, okay, you need to start doing beach cleanups, and then everyone went and did a beach cleanup, then the, old, like, the beaches would be clean. That's great. But what about the forest? Or what about the mountains? Or what about your city park? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so I think the important point to note is that everyone has that ability to do something. So think about what it is that you care about. Think about the places you enjoy spending time. Think about something that lights you up or lights a fire under you when you hear about it It could be about the zebras in Kenya you know and take that thing and commit to it commit to learning about it commit to feeling it commit to finding out how you in your circle of influence and your in your sphere that that reaches probably far beyond you even know um how you can use that to positively affect and impact that, whatever that is. Mm. Because it goes back to that, that idea of like, we have to figure out what it is that, uh, or, or enjoy what, what it is that we're experiencing. If we don't think about that, you know, if we don't start from that place, that's where your why is. If you don't mm. start from there, then I can't sit here and tell you because it's not going to resonate with you. Right, your why is gonna be your why is gonna be because Krista told you to, and then that's like my biggest goal in life is to never tell people what to do. <clears throat> um, 
which my partner would probably tell me that. (laughs) (laughs) But that you have to figure out what it is, what that your own why is. Mm. You have to figure out what it is that you want to be involved in that matters and makes a difference in this world. And then go after that. You, You said earlier that like attributes are inherent. You can't teach somebody how to care or to be passionate about something. You can tell them how to create a project strategy and a timeline and raise money and post on social media. Can't teach somebody how to care. That's very powerful. I feel like I just need a moment to digest that. It's, I feel like essentially you're telling people to be true to themselves, you know, true to themselves, who they are, what matters to them, and then to go after that. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't believe that we need more environmentalists. I don't think we need more scientists or biologists or, or climate advocates. What we need are more people living who they are every single day in whatever career they're in, in whatever lifestyle they want to live, whatever area of the world that they're situated in. We need them to care about how they interact with the planet, how they Mm -hmm. interact with other life beings, human and non-human. We just need people to care. Mm. Yeah. That is, that is going to definitely take some pondering. I can already like fit, I've got goosebumps right now. (laughs) All right. I'd like to explore now something which might be a little bit controversial and that is failures because right now, you know, having listed at the beginning, um, many of the amazing things that you've done, the, the really noteworthy, incredible, um, conversations you've had with, with people and on panels and, and all different situations. But I'm sure it hasn't been smooth sailing to stick with the whole boat thing um, to get to this point. <laughs> uh, what, what obstacles have you come up against and how have you dealt with that uh, sort of externally in terms of things you've had to do and internally in terms of that, that mental journey? I fail all the time. um and i'll preface this with saying that sometimes i don't think i give myself enough time to reflect on those failures as much as maybe i should Mm. so that's something that looking back i i probably should have and should be carving out more time for What would that look like to you, just to jump in there, to process things? I think, for instance, there are are a lot of, a majority of, I think actually maybe all of, anytime I've ever applied for a fellowship, I've never received it, or um, any sort of like... um, uh, Fellowship's the best word I can think of, but any of those, you know, um, accolades that you receive that a lot of young people apply for when they're doing work, especially around the environment, and um, they support you in in mentorship and and notoriety and credibility and programming and funding and all these pieces. And I've applied to many of them and have never received one. And there's a lot of times where I think if I would have sat and dwelled on it, 
it would have made me really question my ability to do what I'm doing and my worth and my value and, and wondering if this work, if Coalition Wild's work was even worth while continuing because it wasn't being accredited by uh, uh, an organization or an entity that I, I valued, you know, that I held in high regard. Um, I think part of the reason I hadn't dwelled on it was because of that fear of like feeling myself that, uh, of how easy it could have been to really start being, becoming insecure and questioning my, um, my effectiveness mm. and questioning who I was and my abilities. And I didn't want to go down that road because I knew that if I went down that road, that I really would become ineffective. Yeah. Yet I wonder if, spending more time in that space would have allowed me um, the ability to even just learn um, learn what set some of those people apart you know who did receive those fellowships and me and and instead like I think I just jumped ahead and been like well like that's that's just not for me it's okay I don't have time for it anyway you know made excuses but I think it would have been important for me to look at it and said like where can I improve what parts of me what parts of Coalition Wild could be improved for the future for the better not necessarily just to receive this fellowship but to improve the organization as a whole right and to to increase our impact for the people that we're working for yeah yeah that's big it's it's always a fine line isn't it sort of sitting with those things and uh just moving on because you don't don't want to deal with that and the potential consequences of sitting with them. <laughs> right. Exactly. I also, I think about that with funders a lot too. Um, there has been a majority of the fundraising that I've attempted to do where we've gotten shut down and hard nose. And, and there are, um, there, there are philanthropies that, that support, have support our work, mm. but there's a lot that haven't. And, and the constant no's are really hard mm. because again, it's, it's somebody who doesn't know you, who doesn't know your impact, who are judging you on a basis of set criteria yeah. that don't always fit well aligned with how I've built Coalition Wild on purpose. Yeah. And I just have this feeling that if I was able to talk to that, right, not, not have to write yeah. 150 words the impact of this, but like, give me five minutes. I can make you, I can make you understand. And the frustration that I've felt in that, in not having those five minutes um, has been something I've had to really grapple with and let go of and, and be okay with. Of You're not going to get them all. And the energy, my energy and time is better spent doing the work versus fighting with somebody that I should be doing the work. We're just taking a quick break for me to ask a question. How important is community to you? Now, community might be interpreted as connection. It might be interpreted as a network, people you're linked to, friends, families, colleagues, uh, cousins, anything like that, however close or far apart you want them to be. But having people around us is really, really important. 
It can keep us motivated, it can keep us inspired, it can keep us grounded, it can keep us accountable. It can be a place to process emotions, it can be a place to grow and flourish and explore and connect and achieve big goals. Whatever it is, community matters. And here at Wild, we have created our very own community, the Spend More Time in the Wild community, a network of people from all around the world who are passionate about living life in a wholehearted and authentic way. Here's one of our Patreons having their say. Hi, I'm Chrissy. I joined Patreon in November 2020, and being a Patreon is important to me because not only is it supporting Abby's efforts with Spend More Time in the Wild, It also allows me to be part of the Wild Tribe, a like-minded group of welcoming, caring, inspiring, and fun people who share their passions for the outdoors and support each other through the highs and lows of life. Thanks, Chrissy. Really good to hear you say that, and I'm so glad you love being a part of the tribe. So if you'd like to join our community, head to www.patreon.com forward slash spend more time in the wild. Hope to see you joining pretty soon. Now. Let's get back to the show. What would you say to somebody who is, I don't know, trying to start their business and they're struggling with those no's? What, what sort of advice, although I know you don't like to tell people what to do, would you, you give them? I think there's two things. The first is being able to have the perspective of is the no because it's not a good idea? Like, is the no actually something that you can use? Does it give you the ability to look at whatever your business is, your project is, or whatever, in a new way and make you give pause, right? Could you do something differently and make it better? Maybe understand where that, that negative is coming from, right? That, that, that denial is coming from. And then two, with that, if it's something you believe in, if it's something you feel the world needs, that you are put on this earth to do and to create, ignore it. Keep Mm. going. We're not here to make everybody happy or to receive the validation from outside sources. And it goes back to what you were saying earlier, being true to yourself. right? And if you're able to be true to yourself, you're going to receive no's and dissent all the time for a myriad of reasons. Mm -hmm. None of that really actually matters at the end of the day, because when we're all expired and gone, if you're able to, to look back and know that you spent your time spinning, doing something you believed in and that meant it to you and that did no harm. I always like to throw that in, in there. I think that that's a, an important caveat. Then <laughs> um, I think that it's the way that people should be spending their time. Yeah. Something that um, sort of really struck me with what you were saying uh, just before moving on to this sort of part of the conversation, you know, is, is the nose that you have hit up against with Coalition Wild. And I'm like, hmm, you're, I mean, this is possibly an assumption, but potentially approaching businesses, organizations, which have a model and you have not created something that fits in that model. 
So naturally you're trying to adjust in some way and put things into words as you, as you were saying, and, and have those um, written pieces or whatever it is. And when all you want to do is actually just sit down and have a coffee with that person and get to know the person because everything that you're doing is so authentic. It's so down to earth. It's real. Yeah. And that I've, I fought that for years. I fought that for years because a lot of times how, especially the nonprofit world is structured and how the philanthropic world is structured mm. is that you need to say what you're going to do. You have to say what your plan is and how you're going to impact X. And then you have to go and you have to do it. And then you have to go and report on how you did it, right? And so it leaves absolutely no room for innovation or creativity or sovereignty in deciding that actually this doesn't, this doesn't like work that way or there's a really big opportunity here i want to shift because this thing is working and that wasn't working as well as i thought it was going to but funders hate seeing that they want to see x equals y and produces z and how we built coalition wild is that i'm i don't i don't know before our accelerator program begins what projects the 40 people i'm going to work with are going to, to implement because they come in with projects and I don't know how it's going to go. Maybe it's tree planting, maybe it's beach cleanups, maybe it's a social media campaign. And I don't know um, what that outcome is going to produce. And so in those funding requests, for example, when they're like, what impact are you going to have? I'm like, I don't know, but that's the fun part, right? Yeah. Because, because I'm, we're giving young people the space to take risks, to try, to grow, you know, to, to gain skills and then put those skills into work. And then you about the first time you've ever learned something. You crash and burn when you try the, try the first time. You're, you're awkward and, and you fail and you don't do it perfectly and that's okay. But we never have created these spaces for young people to, to try mm-hmm. and to see what works. And then when it works, build upon that. And if it doesn't work, to, to, to troubleshoot it. But, but, but funding requests don't want to see that. They, want, they, they don't like taking risks. They want to know what the outcome is. And, and so it has been incredibly difficult for me to, not, to want to, as you said, use the words that they use and fit within those structures. Because I'm like, no, like, that's not what we're doing. And, and I, I've softened a bit to realize that I can still stay true and authentic to who we are Mm. while using some of the words and examples and, and, um, you know, phrases that they want us to use. It also has given me the ability now after seven years to be able to look back and point and say like, this is what we've been able to do in the past. So there's a bit of credibility there. So I have a little bit of data to also project with. But it still makes me really uncomfortable that that there's very few um, supporters who are willing to put that investment into a project or, or a program that works, but with unknown specific outcomes. Mm. Yeah. For somebody who has a business, so we're sort of flipping this a little bit and they have a team around them, what could they do to start to initiate some positive change in their little bubble? 
I think there's two things I've learned. One, and this goes back to what we were just talking about, which is creating space to try. Mm. Um, some I heard from somebody the other day, instead of creating a fail safe, create space that is safe to fail. And within that, being open to the creativity or innovation or new ideas, or if you're, say, a business owner or leader, being open to somebody saying, hey, can we try this or do this differently? And relinquishing that control and saying yes. You could always go back. But I'm, I'm a really big believer in, in opening that space, having, having 15 to 25% of that space being the unknown mm-hmm. and finding comfort in working in that. Um, and then the second part of that is the idea of, um, inclusion or or co-creation. I know for me, one of the things that I recently learned to become more effective is to allow the people that you're working with to help co-create the environment that they're working within, whether that's developing together the expectations and job descriptions or uh, working parameters um, or even allowing them to input into what your business purpose is and what type of effect you want to have, whether it's through the product and service you're offering or through the extraneous ways that you're, you know, giving back to the community. But I think that there's a big element of co-creation that that produces um, ownership and commitment and the feeling of being attached or more deeply attached to whatever people are working on. Mm. What about if you're somebody who's feeling inspired and excited by all of this and and you want to be a change maker, but you're not surrounded by anybody who is remotely in the same field of interest. Mm -hmm. They just don't get it. Yeah, I would say that that happens a lot. And the sad part of that is for as connected as we are, I don't think we realize how many other people are out there that feel the same, Mm. right? So it's funny that there's no, that we feel so isolated when I'm sure there's someone nearby that feels really similar to you. We just haven't made those connections yet and those networks yet. And so, so there's a lot of like really practical ways to do that, which is looking up like looking for groups to join, whether that's like in, well, quote unquote, in person as these days were, or, or you know, more locally or regionally based, um, especially if it's around a local topic that you care about, or even thinking wider about it. There's, there's so many different networks and groups and organizations and platforms out there to become, to start that networking process and to become more connected to people who maybe share in your passions and, and, and interests. Mm. I, I would say the key piece of all of this though, um, requires one very, very big hurdle to jump over, which is to putting yourself out there and being willing to talk about it, to say it, to reach out and, and, and speak, your truth or show like, you know, fly your flag or whatever that is. Um, Because in flying that flag, you're beginning to call in those people, Mm. you know, you're 
beginning to show you it's like you know like a badge of honor of like hey this is the type of person I am or what I believe in who else is out there people see that and and they'll show up yeah. I truly believe they'll show up yeah I really like that and um I could sort of add to that I feel if you like a listener or somebody you know is is trying to put their feet in a new landscape being able to name your fears is very powerful you know actually sit down with a pen and paper talk to somebody if you can and and list the fears and sort of the what ifs for putting yourself out there um i can say you know i've done that for myself with expeditions or things where you know i've had to go public with them before they can actually get off the ground and it's like well i'd rather just you know do it all behind the scenes and then be like this is what i'm doing but no unfortunately <laughs> sometimes you need financial support um but chris I'm, I'm, i'd like to know what you do when you feel anxious or overwhelmed or stressed out with your workload or people saying no what do you do to to bring yourself back to yourself and, and get back on track? I rely a lot on the people around me. Hmm. Uh, and, and sometimes that stress or overwhelmed feeling comes from a place of uh, forgetting who I am and what I believe hmm. or why I'm doing it. And so sometimes getting back to that why requires me to snip off that um, that thread to my to my computer and the never ending do that to do list, you know, and going off the grid for a little bit. Sometimes it means having conversations like this or or reconnecting with people who have um, found bring me energy and who have been on this journey with me. Um, and sometimes, most of the time, I think, it's often giving back to others. In my most stressed out, overwhelmed, feeling down and, and disheveled moments, I find that the more I can invest in others and turn my focus from inward to outward, whether that's talking with a friend about what they have going on in their life or talking to a young person that we're working with or going and just sharing my time or volunteering my time on a cause I care about that outward giving reminds me that my inward <laughs> downward dark spiral is my own doing. Yeah. And it helps pull me out of that hole. Yeah. Gosh, I love that so much. And again, goosebumps, it's all going on. I mean, it's cold house, but <laughs> um, there was a, a study recently that, that came out um, sort of asking people in, I don't know, the UK, USA, sort of Western places, you know, what do you do to feel good about yourself? And it's like, oh, you know, I'll go shopping or I'll buy myself coffee or I'll sit down and watch Netflix. And then in Japan in particular, the, the results were very different. And it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll pick up the phone to a friend or, you know, we'll, I'll do something for my community. And it's, it's a very striking difference. And I think that's really something we can learn and take on board. And it's something I'm trying to like practice and cultivate in my life. It has to be very conscious. <laughs> um, you know, I'm feeling rubbish. 
I'm going to reach out to somebody and not just talk about myself because this isn't necessarily something that needs to be processed, but I'm going to, I'm going to listen. I'm going to, I'm going to show up for somebody else despite feeling rubbish. It's yeah. Pretty game changing. It's very counterintuitive Yeah, because, because we start this again, this downward inner spiral where we get deep and dark and twisty and all we want to do is, is lament and like mm. chew on that phone and, and think and the more we think the worse it goes and then everything just you know every like it's the, always the straws right like every the littlest things start bothering us because now we're so looking microscopically at every part of our life and I think about any time where I've been able to get pulled out of that and it's when I've shown up with a friend and have just let them talk and just ask like invest in them and I'm like, oh, right. Like, there's a world outside of my brain. <laughs> Look at that. It's, it's so beautiful good. out here. So good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you put it very well. And, and the other thing, um, as we sort of begin to round this conversation up, you know, at the beginning, I, I mentioned you're an avid trail runner, skier, hiker, climber. I mean, name it. And you seem to have done it, which is awesome. And not only done it, but take the best pictures and put them on your Instagram feed. I mean, that is a fun place to hang out. So (laughs) where did this love of outdoor pursuit sort of start? I mean, you said, you know, as a kid, you did different sports and things. So was it there or did it come later? So as a kid, I did do a lot of sports. That was mainly organized sports. But Mm. uh, before moving to Jackson, when I was 22, I had never been on a trail before. I'd never ridden a mountain bike. I had never hiked. I had never and I had not rock climbed like there's there's no part of who I am today that I had done before 11 years ago um and moved to Jackson which is uh, this this community of alpha athletes who are uh, constantly going um and I have to tell you that I cried every time I did anything for the first like, two or three years because it's all so hard and so scary and so uncomfortable and I still think all of that everything's still hard everything is still uncomfortable and it's still really really scary but um I've been able it's been fun to watch how my brain has shifted from those being negatives mm-hmm. to those just being like it's just feeling right you get to feel like my hands really hurt and my legs are tired and I can't breathe. Cool. Like, okay. Like that's just what my body is doing right now versus seeing that as negative. Um, and so I think that when I've had first started it and, and have grown into loving these outdoor pursuits and, and using them as a, and as a real escape for me, um, that they require such mental focus that often they're what pull me both out of the computer screen and out of all the to-do lists. And then as we have been saying this whole time, that grind and force me to focus, force Mm -hmm. me to focus in on what my feet are doing, where my hands are being placed, what is happening around me because everything is out to kill me right now. And, um, my senses are alive and I feel like I connect so deeply with a landscape and understand it in a way that uh, sometimes I don't think I even understand people. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's, that's awesome. You know, and you're showing up for yourself through 
through those times, through those, through the fears, through the emotions, through the tears, you know, you're, you're doing what you love and it doesn't necessarily come easy. And uh, yeah, I think, I think I like that because, you know, with climbing, with trail running, you know, you, you can't just set out and run. I mean, you know, 10 K a marathon, half marathon, whatever distance, you know, you can't just set out and climb to the highest peak. It's a slow pro process of learning step by step by step. You're humbled by nature whenever you go out into it and um i'd like to ask you what do you feel is one of the greatest learnings you have gained or gathered from your time spent outdoors doing these things Mm, my greatest learning We put limits on ourselves all the time. We box ourselves in because it's really comfortable. Because if I have this box and I know all the corners of it, then I know I can survive in it. And if you argue your limitations, they're going to be true. You're going to stay in that box. But if you have that desire to think bigger or go further, and be uncomfortable in the process, that our bodies and our minds can actually do far beyond what we think that they can. Yeah. yeah. Oh, another powerful moment. <laughs> it's all <laughs> happening today. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I'm like, I'm like ready, man. It's like, when can I, when can I go out and do all the things? I'm pumped. <laughs> I know. I was like, okay, so that means you should go on your run in your hour and a half break, Krista, because I need to, I need to mention that like what you just said, right? Where you can't just like go out and run a a trail marathon without trying. I have to tell you, I hate training. I like hate pulling myself outside to go do these things that lead up to that moment. They're really hard. They are really hard. (laughs) And they're really hard to get self-motivated to do it. Yeah. Well, actually, um, at the risk of causing another embarrassing moment to to wrap up today's conversation, I've actually got, I'm going to quote something you wrote on Instagram. It's it's a slightly longer one, but it, it really struck me. You know, you, you're filled with awe and wonder. Like you can, you can see it in, in you as, as you're talking, you for, for nature and what it can not only do for us, but what we can offer nature. And as you say, you don't always feel like doing the things. They don't always come easy, but we show up for ourselves. And, and to quote you, you know, you said, I wish the alarm was never intruding and that my body moved without ache and that the miles always felt weightless and that the trail exploded in welcome and that the conversation was cathartic and that I was always feeling light and full and wanting more. But rarely is that the case. I was recently told a life that is easy, accommodating and full of pleasantries is more like a hell than a heaven. So on days like today, when the cosmos align and offer the gift of ease, I promise myself to soak it in and enjoy every fleeting drop while I tack on another the single digit list of times I have empathetically felt that I love to run and I will trot along patiently and often begrudgingly until the next one. And I just loved that because it's like, yeah, you just, 
keep on going, you know, keep on going in the face of the nose, keep on going through the adversity, through the challenge, through the not feeling it, whether it's running, but running is a metaphor for life. You know, the trail is a metaphor for life. I see it over and over. And I think you summed it up so well then. So thank you for writing that. And I have to say, having gone through your Instagram feed and I love the pictures, you're so good at writing as well. (laughs) Sometimes the words flow just like that post and other times it doesn't. And when they don't flow, you just let them go. And when they do, you enjoy it. That's it. So, so, so good. Well, listen, Krista, to to wrap things up, um, I don't know if you listened to any of the other episodes, but I have 10 quick fire questions. So my questions are quick, but you can take as long as you need to answer them. Are you ready? I think so. (laughs) Deep breath. All right. First question. What was the last book you read and loved? The Dictionary of the Undoing. Huh. That sounds curious. Do you know who that's by? (laughs) finding the book john freeman oh it's a very bold cover i like that might have to check that one out (laughs) perfect um, he basically goes through the alphabet Hmm. and reclaims words and how we as humans should begin using them differently to affect change in society Well, that is going in my shopping cart as soon as we sign off. (laughs) Perfect. All right. Nice one. Okay. Question two. Are you a morning or an evening person? Evening. Why? I, my brain works better in the evening, although I begrudgingly force myself out of bed all the time in the morning. Because I really love sunrise and getting up before the day, but mm. it is not natural. It is forced. Good to know. <laughs> okay, question three. If you were reincarnated as an ice cream flavor, what flavor would you be? Cookies and cream. Oh, is that because that's your favorite or because you want to offer it to the world? <laughs> Both. <laughs> Good. I like that answer. <laughs> All righty. Um, what did you want to be when you were growing up? I wanted to move to Montana and save the wolves. The wolves? Cool. Fair enough. Uh, what, <laughs> <laughs> I like wolves too. <laughs> I think I went through that phase, but maybe you took it more seriously than me. I, don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, I didn't. I don't remember, by the way, uh, side note, I don't remember, well, I kind of remember saying that I was really obsessed with wolves when I was a kid, so much so that when they reintroduced wolves to Yellowstone, my mom yeah. adopted one. Its name was Matsy. Nice. And I have a certificate still in my bedroom growing up of Matsy, the wolf, from Yellowstone. And so when I actually moved to Jackson and was working at this nonprofit and at the time was working on this program, that was about wolves. My mom sent me this email with the certificate and was like, you always said that you wanted to move to Montana and save the wolves. I was like, look at that full circle. (laughs) Brilliant. Nice one. Good, good little story. Um, What is your most unusual talent? Can I show you? You can show me. (laughs) Listeners, you might have to tune into the video for this. Okay, well, for the, I'll explain it for those who aren't watching, but All if right. you've produced my Instagram, you may have seen this. I have a very odd oh, ability to etch a sketch. That's incredible. <laughs> and I don't know where it came from. This is the fourth one I've ever done. It's not like I practice. Wow. Um, and I just can create uh, etch a sketch landscapes. And for, for those who are not 
viewing, um, you could go on my Instagram and like scroll through and probably somewhere in there, you'll see a couple of, of etch sketches in there. Um, but this is a mountain scene and it has a waterway in front and blowing uh, grass in the foreground and some trees in the background. And it's a, a scene from the Wind River Mountains that my friend actually, who's an artist, painted. So wow. that is my unusual talent. I'm thoroughly impressed. <laughs> Just like, wow. <laughs> I was uh, not quite expected, but I love it to bits. Brilliant. All right, moving on to the next question. Who has inspired you most? Oh, (laughs) goodness. I want you to define the word inspired. Well, I'm um, leaving it open to interpretation. <laughs> this one should be easier. Are you hesitating because there are so many people who have inspired you? I'm hesitating because there's so many. And when I think of inspiration, I think of when I go through my day, thinking about how, or like hard of moments or how I would respond to something. Mm-hmm. Um, like infusing some how I admire somebody or somebody who had infusing how somebody I admire would react or interact in that moment and I feel like I have all of these people that I've met that in different moments I'm like what do I do here and then I think of that person I'm like this is how they would do it Mm -hmm. and I am um, influenced by them so much that I try to amend my actions or learn from them, even if they're not near me, mm-hmm. into knowing how to react or interact. And so, so I think my pause is like, who's the person I do that with the most? And I have like a long, <laughs> long list of that, uh, depending on like what's in front of me. Sure. So let me come back to that one. Ask me at the end. All right, we'll come back to that. There's a few more. Okay, so jumping on to the next one then. When you're 80 years old, what do you think will matter to you most? the interactions I've had with the people around me, the, the depth and the strength of my relationships. Love it. All right. Next one is, is we're going a new level of deep. Uh, what's your favorite food? <laughs> ice cream. Yes. <laughs> a lot of people say ice cream. <laughs> yeah. <Yuck. laughs> or burritos. Bur- okay. Fair enough. I'm new to the ice cream scene. Like, I, I literally last year I had my first like proper good ice cream and it's like this is a whole Hi. new world. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah we'll work on that okay great I'll, I'll send you some pictures <laughs> uh what's your favorite outdoor space mountain sides of mountain rocks yeah for yeah. climbing climbing but also not necessarily like hiking or just really rugged and um, uh, like unwelcoming shouldn't be holding life mm. areas that are very improbable to be in mm. and that make you say am I the only person that has ever been here and the answer is always no but you're like what like what yeah. this is weird why am I here yeah and you're so small and insignificant. That is so cool. It's amazing, you know, the places where you can find 
like tiny little harebells, wildflowers clinging on for dear life. And you're like, seriously? Like, what wow. Are you doing here? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like, there's these, the, I'm specifically thinking of there's these like kind of low lying moss. They're really green, but they have these little uh, purple flowers that okay. pop out. Yeah, yeah. Or some of them are really brilliantly yellow. And, and you're like, what are you doing here? <laughs> it's incredible yeah but also there's um for some reason in the in the tetons uh on many of our mountaintops there are ladybugs oh wow and i'm not just saying one or two i'm saying swarms of ladybugs and i have no idea why so if somebody out there knows why i would love to know this but it's this like phenomena that every time i'm up there and i see them because it's not always i feel a part of a magical fairyland. <laughs> That's fascinating. Yeah. Huh. I might have to have a little investigation. Okay. Um, so the final question, except not because we are going to come back to the inspiration one. Do you have any catchphrases or mantras that you live your life by? Oh, I do. I have a, a good deal. Um, this one is actually going to be stolen from my friend, Tristan, uh, but recently it has become very prominent in my life, which is how you do anything is how you do everything. I like that. <laughs> Food for thought. How you do anything is how you do everything. How you do anything is how you do everything. That's good. Nice. And then uh, the second one, which has been sort of a, a theme of life for me, which is honor the space between no longer and not yet. No longer and not yet. Wow. That's, yeah, that's like the power is in the waiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good stuff. I love it. All right. And we're coming back to <laughs> the ultimate question. So who has inspired you most? in your life this is an opportunity to just say thank you to a lot of people (laughs) i know i know that's what i'm like i'm I'm on the verge of doing um i think my mom is one of the most resilient tough women i have ever met who has continually been dealt one blow after another and she just rolls with it and sees it as well that's just life i'm gonna keep moving and i think that resiliency uh, is not only makes my life as her daughter so much easier but it has taught me a lot about how we deal with and interact with things that happen to us Mm. Mm. that's cool she sounds like a legend (laughs) a little firecracker (laughs) good stuff well krista this has been a really powerful conversation certainly for me and i hope the listeners can can take away a lot as well and i'd just like to ask is there any sort of parting thoughts ideas words that you'd like to leave the listeners with as we we round this thing up i would simply say that where we go in this life and on this planet is up 
to all of us and that the environment and caring for nature isn't just one sector or one organization's role. It's on all of us and it's going to look different and it should look different. And I believe that the most important thing we can do is, is connect with the elements of life that light us up and to hold on to those things and those moments and those experiences and those people and to invest in them over and over and over again. And that if we all do that, that wherever we end up is going to be the, the right place. It's going to be beautiful. Amazing. Amazing. Well, Krista, thank you so much for your time today. It's been wonderful to speak with you, to dive into all things wild. And um, yeah, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day and I look forward to catching up again very, very soon. Abby, it's been awesome. It's been so wonderful to reconnect and fun to be a part of this. Thanks for asking all the hard questions. (laughs) Well, someone's got to. (laughs) All right, you take care and speak soon, yeah? Yeah, you as well. Thank you. All right. Bye. Wow. What a conversation. Krista really is a force for change. I'm so grateful for her openness and honesty around this topic, which really could prove rather sensitive for some people. I think, though, the main takeaway is that we all have a role to play when it comes to contributing towards the future of our planet. We need to start here and now with whatever we can do. We are the change we need to see in the world. If you'd like to find out more about Krista and her work within Coalition Wild, please head to the show notes where you'll find all the links and information you might need. There too, you should find some ideas if you are looking to bring more environmental awareness into your day-to-day life. So thanks so much for listening, folks. Please don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you're listening, leave us a review and share this episode as far and as wide as you can. Until next time, stay wild.